All right, Mechila. Good morning, good morning. Breakfast uh, is dedicated in loving memory and Lilu Nishmat Avraham Ben Zazi and Yosef, sponsored by his son Amir Shamash. And breakfast is also dedicated in loving memory of Jack Feldman, Lilu Nishmat Yaakov Rafael Ben Rose, sponsored by the Feldman family. I had a wonderful question yesterday, Sammy. Someone came to me and said, I listen to the class every day from England, but what in the world is Cold Brew Anonymous? He didn't know what it was. He was Googling Cold Brew Anonymous to try to figure out what it is that he's hearing on the recording every day. Okay. Okay. Let's, 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 get, let's get rocking. Okay. So, Yaakov sends angels He's trying to uh, sort things out. And what does he do? How does he prepare for this war, for this battle with his brother? He takes three precautionary stances. One is... Doron, one is a gift. The second is tefillah, praying to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Atzileni na miadahi miadesav. And the third one is what's the third approach? The third approach is he says lemilchama. I think it's an interesting thing here. Remember, Yaakov is preparing for two people, almost for what seems to be a schizophrenic, uh, you know, contradiction within this brother of his lies his brother, his flesh and blood, someone who could have pity and mercy on him, and at the same time also lies Esav, someone who he knows wants to kill him. In this dichotomy that he's dealing with, he takes two approaches. One is to give presents, to what's it called, to to make the person feel, to reawaken that love within him. The second is to pray to God, and the third one is to go to war. Now to me it sounds like, He's actually dealing with three people. One Doron, who is he giving the Doron to? He's giving the Doron to the brother within this man. Okay, the, the part of his brother that he's hoping to reawaken the love, to reawaken the care, to make him want to drop the weapons and get reunited and get back together. Who's Milchama for? Milchama is for Esav. And what's Tefillah for? Which brother is Tefillah for? So I think that perhaps... There's a tremendous lesson here. Unfortunately, not every time in our lives are the brothers in our life acting like brothers. Unfortunately, almost always, the reason why brothers are not acting like brothers, almost always, has to do with the business. Has to do with the cash, with the nadi, with the flus, uh, with the goods. Either because the, somebody passed away, and now it's a question of how we divide up the what's it called, the... Uh, the uh, the, the inheritance, or it's because we're sitting and working out in a business and one person is the brains in the business, he grew the business, he feels he deserves a disproportionate amount, other people in the business feel, yeah, you're, you're the one who's out there doing all the uh, flashy stuff, but I'm the one that's holding the business down in the office. I see some smiles in the room, I'm going to avert my gaze so you don't know that I know that you know. Okay, fine. Now the point is, Rabotai, in such a case, or in such a scenario, in those moments, a person suddenly forgets that he's a brother. Now the reason why that happens is because, unfortunately, especially when it comes to money, when it comes to business, people feel in the office like they're all alone. Everyone's always trying to take advantage of me. So the minute you're trying to take advantage of me, what happens? I get a hard edge. Do you know what? I, I try and be as self-aware as I can. Um, it's, a, it's a work in progress for everybody. But to just be completely aware of yourself. I'll give you an example. A person came to me to ask me, you know, for money. A very sad situation. How do you feel? You feel bad for the person. You want to help them out. 
So you know, you give the guy a, a couple dollars, you give the guy a check, you do what you can. Not everyone can help. It's not everyone can help every time. You do what you can. So I give the guy a check and I'm feeling very warm. I'm feeling connected towards the person. I feel bad for him. Guy says to me, it's not enough. Oof. How you like that? <laughs> it's not enough. He says, not enough. So what do I say? I say, okay, give it back to me if it's not enough for you. I'll see you later. I went from feeling bad for someone, wanting to help him, a feeling of warmth, in one second, give that back. Get out of my house, you lazy, good for nothing. Right, you see? What happened? In that minute, I felt like someone was trying to take advantage of me. Anytime someone feels that they're being taken advantage of, they shift into fight mode. That's how it works. They shift into fight mode. So we move from Achi, all of a sudden, who are we? Esav. This is how it's gonna be? Okay, guns out. That's how it works. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, <coughs> sorry, Yaakov Avinu recognizes that there are two ways that Esav could go. Because bottom line, whether or not Yaakov bought the Bechorah, didn't buy the Bechorah, however he got it, he knows that in Esav's heart, Esav feels taken advantage of. What's going to happen to someone who feels taken advantage of? He's going to shift into that space. So it could be I'm dealing with someone I could give a present to, someone I could reawaken that love with, someone I could have a conversation with, someone I could negotiate with. On the other side, he says, it could be that that's not how he's feeling. The tefillah was to lean him to the one side. So he could be this or he could be this. Please, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, let him be this one. Okay? Now, the reason why I'm mentioning this is because I think it's a very important lesson. When you have families that are fighting over something, whatever it might be that they're fighting over, and you don't know when you're going in to try and have a reconciliation, trying to make things better, whether or not the person standing in front of you remembers that they're your brother, remembers that they're your sister or your parent, or they're already shifted out of that space. The first thing a person does is, what's the first thing? Doron, present. The first thing is Doron. So it always bothered me this point. If you read the parasha, you see Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim, then later Vayira Yaakov, then after that Yaakov prays to HaKadosh Baruch Hu How come Yaakov doesn't pray first? Good question, right? I think there's something magnificent here. Magnificent. Good, we have to do everything we can, so maybe it should be Doron Milchama Tefillah. Because Milchama is also what you could do. <laughs> I think there's a very powerful answer here. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Sammy's saying amazing. He wanted to give his brother the benefit of the doubt. Rev. Nachman of Breslov teaches an amazing idea. They always say it over in his name, but in truth, it really predates him by a very, very, very long time. It predates him already to the time of the Gemara. In the Gemara, it says... In the Gemara, we learn amazing idea. Well, what's the, what's the uh, fascinating idea? Fascinating idea is the Gemara says that there was a rabbi whose name was Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir was someone who learned all of his Torah, or the majority of it, from his rabbi, and his rabbi was a very controversial figure. Who was Rabbi Meir's rabbi? Acher. Okay? Acher. Or otherwise known as Aherim. Aherim or Acher. Acher, when we're talking about him, in the Gemara or in the Mishnah, when we say 
Aherim Omrim, others say, who's the other? Others, Elisha ben Avuya. Rabbi Elisha ben Avuya. What happened to him? He started off learning, became a tremendous Talmud Chacham. At some stage, he uh, engaged in the study, the highest study of Kabbalah. He something tripped in his head, and he became a very cynical person. He became a Kofir Apikoros. What happened after he was denying everything? He got uh, sidelined. Rabbi Meir still would study his Torah from him. Everybody else said, what are you doing? You can't, you can't study Torah from him. Rabbi Meir said, no, I'm going to study from him. In Shamayim, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu studies Torah with the people in Gan Eden, when he studies Torah with us, it says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu would say, Rabbi Eliezer Beni Kachu Omer. Rabbi Eliezer, my son, this is what he says. Rabbi Meir, my son, this is what he would say. But he never quoted Rabbi Meir. Why? Because in this world, they pushed Rabbi Meir away. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. Aharim was, uh, what's it called? Aharim, excuse me, was called Rabbi Meir. Aharim was the study, the student of Acher. Okay, so Rabbi Meir was called Aharim. He would never say Rabbi Meir's name whenever he would quote Rabbi Meir. Until it says, down here on earth, comes along one of the Amoraim, and he says, no, Rabbi Meir, Kilipa. He ate the fruit, but the kilipa, the, the covering, the wrapping, he threw away. There's a deeper understanding here as well. When we talk about kilipot, uh, the tum'ah that exists in the world, we also refer to this, the external shell, okay? What did he do? He took the Torah from his rabbi, Rabbi uh, Elisha ben Avuya, but everything else, all the problems, all the shells, the problematic outside, the wrapper, he threw it away. Once down here on earth, the, one of the Amoraim were already saying this about Rabbi Meir, suddenly in Shamayim, Shamayim HaKadosh Baruch started to say, Rabbi Meir beni kahu omer. Everybody asks the question, wait a second. If I judge you favorably, then I thought you were a Rasha, now I think you're my brother. Because I'm judging you favorably. In Shamayim, in heaven, God knows what Rabbi Meir did and what he didn't do. God knows whether those feelings or those thoughts of uh, heresy entered into Rabbi Meir's heart. So why does he need to wait until this person down here says that he ate the fruit, he threw away the wrapper? Why does that need to happen down here before it can happen up in Shamayim? I understand down here we don't know, but he surely knows. And the answer is very, very powerful. When a person thinks positively about someone, it's not just that in their own brain, like I'll give you an example. Let's say I look at a guy who's an actual murderer. And I think to myself about this person, you know what, maybe he's not so bad, maybe he's this, maybe he's that. You know, and I tell myself, did the guy change it all? No. Only the change in my mind is my own perception. What we're seeing from the Gemara is that that's not true. Changing your mind about someone can actually bring about a material change in that person. The minute that I, in my heart, I can see something positive about the person and I'm judging them favorably, suddenly that other person has almost an advocate in this world that believes the best about him and things can change. In fact, we know there's a beautiful line in the Gemara. The Gemara said the in the pasuk in Mishlei pasuk says, "Kemaim panim el panim," just as water reflects the face 
of the person that's in front of it, if it's happy, happy, sad, sad, angry, whatever you are, it gets reflected. So too is the heart of one man to another. Ironically, what that means is if somebody hates you and you hate them back, what happens? Then he hates you because of something previous. Now you hate him. Why does he hate you now? For two reasons. One, because of what you did. Two, because you hate him. And that vicious cycle increases and increases. But what would happen if one of the people would decide, I'm out, I'm done hating. I'm going to show this person only love, attention. I'm going to show this person only you know, the, best, the best benefit of the doubt. The change in my heart can bring about a complete change in the other person without doing anything else but that. Why? Because of Ken Leva Adam La Adam. So Yaakov Avinu, before he prays, before he asks God to change Esav, what does he try to do through his Doron, through his presence to Esav? He tries to change Esav himself without the prayers, without the merits, without God intervening. Maybe if I give the presence now, number one, what this tells us is a very practical life lesson about how to get through this situation. Imagine coming to someone who's hurting you, who's angering you, who's doing everything to you, and you come to him with Doron, with a present. Wow. What a game changer that could be, if this actually works. At least it's worth the try. Look, I know we've been fighting. I don't want to fight anymore. I know that you've upset. You're, for whatever reason, I'm sorry if I upset you. Here, let's change. If we can't change the past, let's change the future. If you don't feel like I can apologize enough for what you think I did, what you believe I did, let's just change the future. Here's something, I got you something to show that I have only goodwill and I want to turn a new leaf. That is the beginning of this turnaround for Yaakov Avinu. Now, let's look at this. In Shamaim, they say this line and suddenly we change the zechut, the kaf zechut changes also the person. Up until now we've been talking about me and you. Your, the perception of you in my mind gets changed. You also, because now you see someone opposite you that believes you to be a nice person, it's almost like you want to fulfill that expectation. So it can change the person as well. But we learn from Rebbe Meir is also that it changes whom? Kadosh Baruch Hu. It also changes up there. Here's the powerful element. Say the Sefarim. Vayira Yaakov Vayetzerlo. Yaakov was afraid and he was perturbed. Vayira Yaakov means he was afraid. Shema Yeharek. Maybe he'll get killed. Vayitzerlo and he was perturbed. Why? Shema Yaharog. Who? Maybe he would kill. Maybe he would have to kill who? Esav. Look at Rashi. Rashi doesn't say he was afraid, maybe he would get killed. He was worried or nervous because maybe he would have to kill Esav. What does it say? It says, Shema Yeharegu Aherim. Maybe he would kill others. But we've already been introduced to a character. The character called Aherim. Where does Rabbi Meir come from, says the Gemara and Gitin? He's a grandson of Niron Kesar, of a Roman general that comes to attack the Jewish people. So Rabbi, so Yaakov is looking at this Esav fellow, and he says, maybe I will die. I'm afraid of that. But if I kill Esav, then this, anyone that comes from Esav, what's going to happen to him? Chalas is going to kill him too. 
Who's going to go if I kill Esav? Rabbi Meir, Shema Yarog, who? Aherim, I'm going to kill this, this, one of the great sages of the Jewish people. All of the Mishnah, whenever you see a Mishnah that has no, what's it called? Who is it? Rabbi Meir, Stam Mishnah, Rabbi Meir. So he was worried about what's going to happen. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he kills the Egyptian, what does it say? He looked here, he looked there, and he saw that there was nobody there. He looked up in the generations. Is there someone in whose merit this guy shouldn't die? Nobody. He looked down. Is there any descendant that's going to be a tremendous tzaddik that also should cause that this rasha right now should, uh, should not get his, uh, his penalty coming to him? He looked, and there was no important tzaddik that was going to come from him or that could protect him with his merit. And then he kills the Egyptian who was, Jewish, who was trying to kill that, the, Jewish, the Jewish slave. Rabotai, Yaakov does the same thing. And he looks into Esav's future and who does he see? Ahirim, Rabbi Meir. Rabotai, I want you to understand something powerful. Hold on a second, I want to understand something powerful. Sheva Yarugu Ahirim, everyone thinks that that means you kill Esav, his descendants don't come about. That's not the point. The point here was how does Rabbi Meir get into heaven? We're not talking about physically running Esav through with a knife. How does Rabbi Meir get mentioned in Shamaim? Because someone says on earth that this person, Piri Achal Kilipazarach, there's something this good here. And even though there's something bad, maybe the bad is not who the person is. Maybe that can be peeled away. Yaakov says, maybe I'll get killed by Esav. But maybe if I treat my brother, even if I can kill him, if I treat my brother as a Rashagamur, what will he actually wind up being? A Rashagamur. Then there won't be a redeemable part of him. Then the part of Esav that winds up finding some level of redemption in a man that's going to come later on called Aherim, that spark in Esav's soul of goodness would be obliviated. And if that would happen, then Esav, then Rabbi Meir couldn't come from him. Sometimes, there's something good, a tiny spark, some good kindness, some loyalty. When a mob boss says there's nothing like family, right? You look at the guy and you say he's corrupt, he's killing everybody. At the same time, is he lying when he says nobody comes before family? How much do they take care of their own? You're allowed to learn the positive side of even the most negative person. And a person when they're judging favorably doesn't take it on aggregate. They find something positive about that person and they use that to, see, to be a seed to be able to plant growth for the future. Yaakov says, he praised Akadosh Baruch Hu. Let him be the first one so I don't get killed. Let him be my brother. Right? Please, I'm nervous he won't be my brother. But what's the other side? The other side is, if I see him as Esav, and there's, I don't see in him anything positive. Ya Rogu I'm going to ruin Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir will never exist in Shammai. Do you hear that? Because I won't bring this idea of being able to see something positive in someone, even though there's challenge, there's negative to that person. Rabbi each and every one of us can work on this midah, on Doron, coming to a situation and saying, even if that person is angry, upset, trying to hurt me, how can I be not vulnerable, not naive, but actually someone with a little bit of insight? It's very rare to find a human being that's completely evil, that there's nothing at all that you could find. Doron, start. After Doron, what do you do? Tefillah. 
You pray. You pray that he, that he accepts the doron, that his heart is moved by the doron. And finally, what's the last one? Milhama. I had a father once who had a child that was estranged from the, from the family. Words were said, things happened. The kid wasn't acting the way the father wanted them to act. He told him, if this is how you are, get out of my house. Years go by, they don't talk. At the wedding, the family is not invited. The guy walks down to the chuppah by himself, starts to build a family, starts to have a successful business, actually turns his life around and he becomes a mensch. But he never forgot that his father threw him out of the house. And now that he had the money and that he had the good graces and he was an accepted person in the community and he was very well loved, he didn't wanna, he never found the need to be able to reconcile with his family. The father comes to me, he says, I see him all the time now. He used to not come to anything. I see him now all the time in the synagogue. I see him all the time at events. He says, it kills me that I have to, we have to kind of do this dance. I just want to be reunited with my son. But he said, I said, but what can, I said, well, he said, I said, what can I do? I said, look, I don't know. You have to pray to Hashem. I said, but if you're asking my advice, go invite him back home. He says, invite him back home. What are you talking about? The guy's married with the whole family. I said, it's not that he needs your present. It's not that he needs to take you up on it. He needs that whatever you broke all the years ago, that you fix it. Yaakov says to Esav, you're so upset at me at the Berachot that I got all the wealth. Here, have it. He's rectifying this problem from before. And even if the person doesn't accept it, and even if the person is not listening, and even if the person doesn't change, you should just know there's no such thing. It can't be that he didn't hear. It can't be that it didn't resonate. And maybe it's a little bit, you know, tough. And maybe there's layers it needs to puncture. But those dorons, eventually they get through. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu bless us always to see that in our brothers. Amen. And may he bless our brothers always to see that Ratzon uh, within us. Baruch Amen. 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 Amen.